Glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? This morning, I didn't ask anyone to open for me. We are going to read a short chapter to open with, have prayer requests and praise reports, and Brother Clem, I'm going to call on you to pray in a little bit. And then, when I'm finished speaking, there's going to be a time that Cephas is going to share with us for a little. So that's why we're not having an opening, per se, this morning. Let's, uh, we did want to say good morning and happy new year, and welcome to worship. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the firstborn into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast made the found, laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou remain, remainest. They shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But unto which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not ministering spirits sent forth? to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation. Now we'll take prayer requests. Yes, David. Having a prayer request to remember, especially Brother John Kenner as he teaches at Bible school, for all the other teachers and the students as they assemble, that God would be praised. Brother Bill. Well, let's lift up uh, Rollin and Pat today as they have COVID, COVID and nobody's able to go in and and help them out. Let's hold them before the Lord. Yes, Brother Kirk. We want to hold Brother Kurt's dad before the throne for his personal health. Carlene. Yes, Carter Edgecombe, the one that had the accident there about Thanksgiving time. He's going in for more tests. Let's hold him before the throne. Brother Bart. I've mentioned our neighbor a couple of times. His name is Jeff Hunt. He will be a father-in-law to Kenny Knight. Several of you know Kenny. Uh, had a stroke a few weeks back, and they finally got him home. Today we noticed that an ambulance uh, took him away. We don't really know the details, but Continue to lift Jeff Hunt before the throne for his health and his spiritual health as well. Yes, Phil. Well, I think this should be a praise. A lot of us are concerned. 
open, unhindered blessing to spread the gospel and live for him in this country. We need to be thanking him and praising him for that. Amen. A prayer to praise the Lord for his wonderful goodness to his people in America, to be able to be blessed and share the gospel openly and freely, worship together freely. Let's not take that for granted. Let's praise his name. Yeah, Brother Phil. Okay, let's pray for Brother Jeffrey's wife. Many of you probably remember several years ago, Jeffrey and his wife attended here pretty regularly. He's going back to Kenya to be with his wife. Let's hold her up and Jeffrey before the throne. Brother Kalim, let's pray. Thank you. 
often use a hymn book, I'm not going to, um, and I'm just going to simply sing a chorus we're familiar with, it's be still and know that I am God, and we repeat that a few times, and then uh, I am the Lord that comforts you, is the second stanza that we repeat a few times, and I would just encourage you, if you're comfortable, to simply closing your eyes and allowing us to, to sing through this short chorus. In the last couple of days, you've probably said Happy New Year several times, and you have probably heard that several times. And I ask you, of all that have said that and all that have heard it, how happy really are they? Is their spirit calm and is it comforted by the Lord? It has been our observation over the years that during this time of the year, emotions are amplified. Whether they're joy, sorrow, or anything in between, 
And oftentimes, it's also been our observation that when January comes after December, a lot of people are left with an aftermath rather than an afterglow. You know, it's, it's real in life that there are doubts, there are fears, there's pain, there's conflict, there's difficult questions. If it wasn't that way, the Bible wouldn't have so much for us in there how to deal with it. But I would like to encourage you this morning that the circumstances of life, for you personally even, may be bleak and adverse, but through all of that I can still have true peace, true hope, and that calm and that comfort deep in my heart and soul. This chapter that we read said that today Jesus speaks to us. What has he said to you? Did you hear him speak? How about right now? Is he speaking to you right now? What's he saying? This chapter describes a lot of things that he is. It says here that he is the heir of all things. He made the worlds. He's the brightness of glory, the express image of the person of his father. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And by himself, he's purged our sins and he sat down at the right hand of Father God. And he has been given an excellent and exalted name. And we have come this morning to worship him. Hallelujah for that. This uh, chapter also speaks of things that are not eternal. It speaks of the things that he has created, the earth and the heavens. And he said, one of these times, he's just going to fold them up like a, like a uh, piece of clothing that's clear wore out. He's going to fold them up. Because they are old, and they're going to change. And Peter says that they're going to change with fervent heat. The earth, the heaven, the works of the earth, the elements are going to be dissolved by fire. I want to look at the eighth verse in this chapter that we read. We'll reread this. This is the Father speaking to his Son, Jesus Christ. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, chapter 1, and we'll just break right in here at the 16th verse. This also is about Jesus. Colossians 1:16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the head of the body of the church, <clears throat> who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. This morning, for a few minutes, we'd like to simply talk about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he is above and surpassing all others, supreme, paramount, first. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. And I've simply entitled the message this morning, 
The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's not an original quotation of mine. That came from Lester Flory over at Covington several years ago. But it stuck with me. The preeminence of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we just read back there in Hebrews that his kingdom was forever and ever. And that he was given a name that was exalted. And I suppose maybe we'll just start with the preeminence of his name. We've been through a, a time when there's been a lot of names of exaltation and preeminence given to Jesus Christ. I think we read a week or so ago that his name was Wonderful and Counselor and the Prince of Peace and the Mighty God and the Everlasting Father and Emmanuel and on and on there. He has a more excellent name by inheritance than any other. I would like to just consider about some of the first preaching in the early church. Whenever there was a lame man that lay there at the gate of the temple and he expected to receive some monetary benefit for his condition. And when Peter and John walked up there, he expected to receive something from them. And they said that they didn't have any monetary thing to give him, but they had something more than that. They said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And all of the people around there saw that. And that caused quite a stir among the people. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. <clears throat> well, that, that took place. And uh, as time went on, then another few days, you'll read in the, in the next chapter that uh, the disciples declared that it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom they had crucified and God had raised, it was by his name that the man stood up and was before them. He said, this is a stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner, and neither is there salvation in any other name. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So this is my point. Are we listening? Has Jesus spoke, spoken his name into my heart? Is he speaking it today? And unless I'm willing to listen to that, I will be crippled and eternally banished from God. Jesus has a desire just to speak into our, our hearts and our lives. He wants the preeminence, am I willing to surrender? Well, I wanted to consider the uh, first part of verse 16 in Colossians that we read. We'll turn over to there now. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible. And I'm going to stop right there. I would like to consider the preeminence of the visible created domain. His created dominion. Some evening when it's real clear out and the sky is not cloudy and you can get away maybe from some of the uh, artificial light contamination at night. Look up into the sky and start trying to count the stars. 
And uh, as you try to do that and figure out where you are and you kind of get lost there, I'd like for you to think about this. Every one of those stars that you saw and you tried to, to count and the ones that you couldn't and the ones that you can't see, the Bible says that he's given every one of those a name. That's his created dominion. He has given every one of those stars a name. <clears throat> There's enough light pollution probably in the country we live in right now that you can't see them as clear as we used to in the West, but just try it sometime. Well, let's go, uh, let's go to the Sea of Galilee with the uh, disciples for a bit. You know, because of the configuration of the geography there, a storm can come up on that sea just really quickly. And uh, so we're out there in the boat with the disciples, and a storm comes up really quickly, and it threatens to sink our boat. But Jesus is with us, but he's asleep in the, in the boat. And uh, so out of fear... We wake him up and say, well, what are we going to do? And he, he says words like this. He says, well, why, why are you so afraid? You have little faith. And, you know, I find myself there quite a little, few of the times I've got little faith. Well, Jesus just rebuked the winds and the sea, and they became calm. And uh, along with that, the disciples, uh, the di disciples marveled. They just, they just couldn't understand how this could be, and they, they exclaimed like this, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? His preeminence over his visible created dominion. Now let's go to a synagogue. We're here in the synagogue, and uh, there's a man there that's disrupting the synagogue because he has a demon within him, an unclean spirit. And Jesus is there, and he just simply commands that unclean spirit to come out of him. And this is visible to those who are there. And uh, so with, with bewilder, bewilderment and amazement, they uh, said, well, what, what kind of a doctrine is this? This is some new thing. We've never ever seen this before. And they said, uh, for with authority, he commands the unclean spirits and they obey him. He still does that today. Well, we've looked just a little bit at his created domain. Now let's let's think about let's think about his uh, preeminence in his visible kingdom. And uh, for this, I'd like to just go to to his temptation in the wilderness, right when he started his ministry, or a little before that, right after he was baptized. You remember one of the temptations there that Satan tempted him with, he took him up to an exceeding high mountain and he said, now look at all of these kingdoms here of the world and all the glory of these kingdoms. And he said, all you need to do is just worship me and they're all yours. And you know, Jesus said, get, get away from me, Satan. He said, it's written that you are to worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Well, this is the point I would like to make. All of these things were created by Jesus Christ in the first place. We just read that. Now, how was it that Satan could use what already was Jesus's to tempt him with? You ever thought about that? I'm going to submit to you this. 
that Jesus gave all of those things up to establish not a temporal kingdom, but an eternal spiritual kingdom. And his people did not understand that. The Bible says that. He came unto them, but they, they didn't receive him. They didn't understand it, that he had come for another kingdom. In fact, even after his resurrection, when he was ready to ascend into heaven, they asked him that question again. Is he going to restore the kingdom now? Wasn't time yet. But the way I understand things is that in the future... He's going to come on a white horse and he is going to be there for all of the kingdoms that have gathered themselves against his people Israel. And he is going to consume them simply with the spirit of his mouth and destroy them with the brightness of his, of his coming. And I get it from Zechariah that he is going to reign on the earth with peace, with a universal dominion. From sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. So it's coming, it's just not quite yet. Dominion. Preeminence. Let's think about the uh, preeminence of his invisible kingdom for a moment. You know, he came into our world with a message to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you'll notice one time when he was a teaching, the Pharisees came to him and they demanded of him when the kingdom of God should come. And uh, he said, well, he said, you're... Still not quite getting it. You don't understand. He said the kingdom of God don't come by observation. He said don't look over here or over here or there and wonder where the kingdom of God is because, he said, the kingdom is within you. The invisible kingdom within you. Christ is to have the preeminence on the throne of my heart as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. What a privilege. Hallelujah. That's the day we live in today. Well, let's think a little bit about the preeminence of the gospel of Jesus. You know, we've also come through the, the time of season when we've rejoiced in the great message of good tidings and great joy that came to all people. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord, was born for a salvation prepared before the people of all the earth to see. Um, as I think about the, the preeminence of the gospel, I want to read... Uh, I want to go back to Hebrews, and I'm going to go into the next chapter, chapter 2, and you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read a few verses here. This is uh, what it says about the gospel. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which was at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. That is the preeminence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there's not anybody going to come to the Father except by, my, by me. <clears throat> when Jesus preached a message on the Mount of Olives, he said words like this. He said, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words 
will never pass away. And the message of the gospel over and over again is to come. Come. Jesus said that. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Peter puts it like this. He said, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. All flesh is grass, and the glory of man is a flower of grass. Grass withereth, flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And what I get from that is that the word by gospel preaching endures forever. The word of God. The preeminence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, as we think about the, uh, the eternal preeminence of Jesus, um, going back here to Colossians again, the first part of the 17th verse says that he is before all things. His eternal preeminence. We read it at least three times in that first chapter of Hebrews. His kingdom is forever and ever. He remaineth. His years fail not. And I suppose maybe the, the uh, more prominent verse that we think about his eternal preeminence is probably in the last chapter of Hebrews where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. And Hebrews also teaches us that he endureth forever. Christ continueth ever. The preeminence of his eternal being. Well, let's think about uh, the second part of this 17th verse. Not only by him all th he, that he is before all things, but by him all things consist. As I read that, I wanted to think about the power, the preeminence of his power and authority. And we've already re reviewed his creation, the kingdoms, and his power over evil and Satan and demons. I think about his teaching, men said he didn't teach like other men, but he taught with authority. Never a man came and spake like this man spake, and he had the authority it was given him to execute judgment. And as he closed up, Matthew did his gospel. He, he spoke the words, recorded the words that Jesus spoke, and he said, all power is given me in heaven and in earth. Power and authority over life. You remember what he said? He said, I've got power to lay my life down and take it up again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it's recorded that he could have called, if he wanted to, more than 12 legions of angels to deliver him. But he didn't. But he didn't. I want you to remember that. Why? Why didn't he? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And of everything I said this morning, and will say, this is what I want you to remember. The greater power of his preeminence is in submission. The greater power is in submission. You know, I think that is so important for us to remember in life. It's so important to apply. And you know, I think as the days come upon us, probably in the near future, 
It's going to be something that we need to have rooted deep within our heart. The power of submission. I want to uh, read a few verses from Philippians, the second chapter. I'm going to start in the fifth verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made him himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now I'd like to read that in another translation. I'd like you to listen to this. Verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I'll read that again. This is verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Verse 7, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Verse 8, and being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The preeminence of the cross the preeminence of his sacrifice, redeeming us with his precious blood and reconciling us to a God was accomplished by the great power of his submission. He became preeminent to us by making himself nothing. The sacrifice of the ultimate and horrible suffering and death on a cross to pay, by, to pay the debt that I owe for my sins. The sacrifice of giving up all the privileges of deity, though he still was all God. He was subject to pain, suffering, temptation, thirst, hunger, the need for rest, endured betrayal, and loneliness. The sacrifice of giving up heavenly communion with Father God, all for me, all for you, all for whosoever will. The power, the greater power of his preeminence through submission. He made himself nothing. Think about Mount Everest, five miles high. He created that. And then he was willing to come and start life over as an embryo. Think about all his glory that filled the heavens. And then he subjected himself to the womb of a virgin. The one who named all of those stars, the ones that you can't even see. And what we would, the way we would say it today, he became just a speck on an ultrasound. If that doesn't do something to your heart, I don't know what will. You know, when I think about that, the Lord of glory, the whole universe, and what he did in the preeminence for me and the power of submission to be my Savior and my King and my Lord, that ought to move me. If it don't, I don't know whatever will. I just can't understand how people can get even a small grasp of that and not have a broken heart. Do I this morning? Will I this year? How will my year be? I don't know. 
Well, we're back to his name again in the ninth verse of this second chapter of Philippians, and we've been there quite a bit recently, and I don't think we'll ever get there too much. Brother Bart talked about this last Sunday, wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now to me, those words are an opportunity, an opportunity for all mankind. And I think Brother Bart went to the book of Romans that every knee shall and every tongue shall confess, and that's going to be a commandment for all mankind. But I'd like to present to us this morning that rather than just an opportunity or a commandment, acknowledging, taking in the name of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus, letting him flow from our beings, should be a wonderful opportunity of enthusiasm. I want to. I would say a grand, grand privilege. Do I consider it that way today? A wonderful, grand privilege to share the name of Jesus. Now is the accepted time and now is the day of salvation. Today will I experience the preeminence of the resurrection of life of Jesus Christ into life eternal. Well, it's probably not fair not to go ahead and consider the verse that our text came from this morning. The 18th verse of Colossians, who is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning Firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The preeminence of Christ in the church. Does he have it? Does he have it in my congregation? Does he have it in my life? Do I get in the way of his preeminence in the church? Do I possess the power of submission? Do I examine my heart daily for his preeminence? Or am I drawn away and deceived from the simplicity and the supremacy of Christ? I just want to close with a benediction from a couple of verses here in Colossians in the next chapter. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. The main thing is to keep the preeminence of Christ the main thing. Have a blessed and happy new year. Let's just uh, stand and we'll have a closing prayer before we turn the time over to Cephas here. <clears throat> Father God, as we come to you today... A new year, a new opportunity, a new time, one that we've never had before, just to open our hearts, to let you speak to us, to fill us with your, yourself and your name and your goodness and your love and your power and on and on of who you are, the opportunity to worship you today collectively. The opportunity to worship you every day in freedom. The opportunity to share your name, your precious name, your glorious gospel with the world. And I just pray that your people everywhere would just be so enthused with the gospel that you have given, 
with the power of your resurrection, that it would just draw people into the kingdom by the joy of the lives that are lived by your people, that your name would be worshipped and praised and honored. You would receive glory, maximum glory, for that which you are due. Lord, we, we just pray that those who are experiencing the emotions of an aftermath of sorrow, bereavement, pain in their bodies, pain in their emotions and pain in their souls, could experience you as the great physician, your healing touch, your comfort, your peace, your rest, your hope, your joy, your love and your mercy and grace surrounding them in a way that they could feel the purpose of their creation and hope for the future. Lord, I pray you would just bless every soul here today. As Brother Clem already prayed, there's a lot of burdens here. There's a lot of joys. There's a lot of everything in just a few people. And so we pray that you would bless that with yourself in a special way. That as we leave this place, that we could be ambassadors for the kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the temporal blessings we enjoy. They are many. Help us never to take them for granted and forgive us where we don't acknowledge you the way we should in all things. But I just want to thank you for the meal that's been brought here and prepared today for us to partake of and pray that you would just bless it in our bodies and we would be strong just to reflect your glory and to raise up the name of Jesus Christ. In him I pray. And let's just all pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Brother Cephas.